The story of the wise men in search of the newborn king is a very familiar story to many of us. We listen to the story each year around this time. We sing about it. We see it illustrated on Christmas cards and nativity scenes. The story is very familiar to us, but I wonder if we're familiar with some of the details of the story. Like, who were these wise men traveling from the east? Sometimes we refer to them as magi, which is where we get the word magician from. Uh, Think Dumbledore. Think uh, a professor who's very wealthy and influential. Uh, These people were educated in the art of navigation, astrology, and dream interpretation. Matthew actually doesn't tell us how many there were, although the tradition of the church holds that there were three because... There were three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And because of passages like we just read in Psalm 72, verse 10, which talks about the kings of Tarshish, Sheba, and Seba falling down before the Messiah, Matthew tells us that they come from the east. Uh, Most scholars think it, it was around the area of Persia because that is where the profession of the Magi originated from. Whoever these Magi were, it's clear that they are leaving the familiar in search of the unknown. They travel across the desert in search of a king because of a star that appears in the sky. It's very peculiar. What do we to make of this star? Well, there's been a lot of speculation. Uh, some scholars think that the star was a single star supernaturally placed in the sky Others think that it may have been some sort of supernova or something like Halley's Comet. But the most convincing idea that I've come across is what the majority of scholars think. It's believed that what the Magi saw had something to do with the planet Jupiter. And in the worldview of these Eastern astrologers, Jupiter was associated with the ruler of the universe. Saturn was the planet associated with the geographical area of Palestine, and the constellation Pisces was associated with the last days. So if Jupiter encountered Saturn in the sign of the Pisces, it could only mean one thing, that the ruler of the last days, the king of the universe, would appear most likely in Palestine. So from this deduction, it's believed that the Magi then set out on this journey in search of the king of the universe. Now, it's presumed that the Magi were living in a land that did not have the Jewish scriptures, which meant that they would have no knowledge of a Jewish Messiah. All they had to go by were the stars. And this is quite often how God works. He grabs our attention in ways that we can understand, and then he leads us to his son. Everyone is invited to come. And as if to prove it, God draws these pagan astrologers to celebrate the birth of his son using a star. The story reminds me of my own story. I wasn't raised in the church. When I was in high school, my mother was the first person in our family to come to faith, and she did it here at St. Peter and St. Paul's, which used to be called St. George's. She took the Alpha Course, she had this revival of faith, and then she started telling me all these things about Jesus, and I thought she was crazy. I didn't understand what she was talking about. And she would invite me to church every once in a while. I'd come, and um, 
yeah, I, I had no idea what was going on here. Uh, all the sitting and, and standing and the liturgy, and there was just so many different things where I felt like I didn't fit within this culture. And then uh, I was, you know, surrounded by people that I wouldn't normally choose to associate with. Um, so, so for me, it was very difficult to fit into the church when I was in my, in my high school days. Uh, but I started to have this growing sense that there was something more to life. Uh, I, I, I had this connection with, well, the Creator through nature. I, when I looked at, at the natural world, especially when I looked at the stars, I, I would often go for walks at night, and I would look up at the sky, and I would contemplate just how vast the universe is, and how small and insignificant I am, and I knew that there was something more. There was something more to life. There was something more to life that I wasn't experiencing, that kind of drew me. I wonder if you can relate. Perhaps some of you feel like you don't fit within the church culture and the people around you are very, very strange and odd and you don't, wouldn't normally connect with them. Uh, perhaps you sense that uh, there, there's, there's something more to life when you look at nature, when you look at poetry or art or when you read good books or music um, and yet you sense that there's something more. You're not quite satisfied. You, you have this longing within you that's pulling you forward. If this is you, then pay attention to that longing. The Magi had that same sense of something more. When they followed the star, they arrived in Palestine, and they went to the most logical place to find a newborn king. They go to Jerusalem, the city of the king. Seeing the star inspired them to go to Jerusalem, but when they go to Jerusalem, notice how they need to ask for directions. And when they ask for directions, someone points them to the scriptures. This is crucial for us to see. The light of their sciences brings them a very long way, but it cannot bring them all the way. In order for them to see the Magi, sorry, in order for the Magi to, to find the newborn king of the universe, the scriptures needed to be opened. Now, this is not to say that everyone who has access to the scriptures knows how to use them. Herod and the teachers of the law and the scribes are examples of those who have the scriptures. They're very eager to share what they know about the scriptures with others, but they themselves do not trust or believe what the scriptures have to say. It's possible to have the scriptures in our head, but not have the one whom the scriptures speak about in our hearts. Herod and the scribes have the entire library of the scriptures available to them, and they do nothing. The Magi are given only one passage of scripture, and they do what it tells them to do. The king of the Jews will be born in Bethlehem. So they leave Herod's place, and they begin traveling south towards Bethlehem. And as they look up into the night sky, Matthew tells us in verse 9, when they had heard the king... They set out, and behold, ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. Some translations leave out the word behold, but it's in the original language, hene, behold. It's a command. It's a, it's a call to pay attention. Matthew is shocked by what he's seeing. Why? Because the star was moving. It wasn't moving before. The star was not moving when they began their quest. 
The star was hovering over Palestine. But after the scriptures are opened and the Magi start out towards Bethlehem, the star begins to move with them. Why? Because like these Magi from the east, the star is drawn to worship the newborn king of the universe. Friends, Jesus Christ is magnetic. He is the center of everything. The Father draws magi from the east. He draws the stars. He, he's drawing you. He's drawing me. He's drawing all people to behold his son. And as we behold Jesus, we are forever changed. When the magi see Jesus, they worship him. They all of a sudden become aware of God warning them in a dream not to return to Herod, and they're led to walk down a different way. This is what happens to us when we see Jesus. Have you seen Jesus? Do you want to see Jesus? Let me point out three ways from our passage that can help you discern whether or not you have seen or are seeing Jesus. First, when you see Jesus, you instinctively want to worship him. The Magi used their scientific method to start out on their journey. They used deductive reasoning to lead them to Jerusalem. And then when they open the scriptures, they find Jesus. And they respond to him by offering him gifts. Whether or not they were aware of it, these three gifts reflect who Jesus is and what he would grow up to accomplish. Gold was used to decorate kings' palaces. Jesus is the king of kings who's come to rule as Lord over all people. Frankincense was used as incense in temples. Jesus is our high priest who intercedes on our behalf before the Father. And myrrh is a spice used to embalm the dead. Jesus died in our place. He died so that we would never die. Now, it's important to notice that Matthew, the author, is Jewish, and so were Mary and Joseph, and so were the majority of those people who first read Matthew's gospel. Jewish people don't worship other people. They worship the living God who is unseen. Jewish people don't worship creatures. They worship the Creator who is invisible, immortal, and incomprehensible, and yet Matthew includes the story of the Magi worshiping a Jewish baby in his gospel, and his Jewish parents do nothing to stop them. And the Jewish audience who first heard the gospel do nothing to try to correct Matthew's theology. Why? Because when we encounter Jesus and recognize him for who he is, you can't help but worship him. Second, when you see Jesus, you become aware of God's presence not only outside you, but in you. Again, this is what happens in the Magi. When they see Jesus, there's, there's like this void within their souls that's filled with light and life. They become aware of God speaking directly to them, and they hear God warning them in a dream not to go back to Herod. Herod represents the voice of the evil one. He's deceptive and cruel. He's obsessed with protecting his own little kingdom and maintaining power and control. He even goes so far as to try to kill the light of the world. But the darkness cannot be overcome by the light. Sorry, I said that wrong. Darkness 
That's what it seems like. Darkness cannot overcome the light. The underlying principle of life is not yin and yang or karma. Life is not a balance of good and evil. There, there's not some spiritual battle going on between the good guys and the bad guys, and we're not quite sure who's going to win. We know how the story ends. Jesus wins. The light of the world overcomes darkness and death and evil through his death and resurrection. Jesus is Emmanuel. It's what we celebrate this time of year, especially at Christmas. He is God with us, and he's with us by the Holy Spirit who opens our eyes and our hearts so that we would experience him now with us. This is what it means to be a Christian. We're invited into a relationship with a person, and as we relate to him, as we pray, as we talk to him and listen to what he has to say, we become more and more aware of what is of God and what is not of God. When we see Jesus, all of a sudden, the evil one's plans are exposed, and like the wise men, we are given the strength and the courage to walk down a different path, away from Herod, away from sin and darkness and fear. When we see Jesus, we are led to go down a different path. Verse 12, having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another way. Jesus has called us out of darkness and into the light. Now, we are called to remain, to abide in the light and to walk in in the light, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus and abiding in his presence. Now, here's the thing. If we're not walking with Jesus, then chances are we're walking back to Herod. If we're not abiding in Jesus, then we're abiding in something else. And that something else will not help us discern what is good and what is evil, or withstand temptation, or grow in our ability to love others, or all the other things that we're invited into in Christ. Without Jesus, we have no strength to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. But as we behold him, he empowers us to do the right thing, even when it hurts. He leads us not into temptation, but he delivers us from the evil one. And over time, as we continue to walk with him, he transforms every dimension of our lives until we are reflecting his character and doing the kinds of things that he's doing. How do we know that we've seen Jesus? We want to worship him. We are learning to discern God's will and discern the difference between good and evil, and we are led to walk in a new way. If, you're, if you've not seen Jesus yet, <laughs> and you want to, all you need to do is ask. The Father delights in revealing His Son to all who earnestly seek Him. If you have seen Jesus, but instead of following this new way, you've been lured by the deceptive voice of Herod, it's never too late to turn back to him. For again, the father delights in revealing his son 
all who call upon his name. Where will Jesus lead us? Where does this new way take us? We don't know. But what we do know is that when we seek Jesus, like we see the Magi doing, we will find him. And when we find him, he becomes the most important person in our lives. And we want nothing more than to be with him and remain in his loving presence all the time. May we have eyes to see Jesus. May we have ears to hear his voice. And may we have the courage to follow him wherever he would lead us this new year. Let's pray. Father, open our eyes to see your Son for who he is. Lord Jesus, open our ears to hear your voice warning us of those things trying to woo us back into the darkness. Holy Spirit, give us the courage to step out of the familiar and follow you into the unknown. We ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.